it's time to discuss your uh, philosophy of drug use as it relates to artistic endeavor. You know, every once in a while in life, you hear a song, right? And it's a part of your life for, I don't know, three months, six months, a summer, whatever the case may be. And then you lose it. And you've lost it for a long time. And you found it pre-internet. And then you can't find it again. And you wait forever and ever. And then out of nowhere, through these bizarre, almost inexplicable happenstance, it pops back into your life. And that happened to me with this song a few years ago. Bomb the Bass featuring Justin Warfield on vocals, singing about William Burroughs' naked lunch and literary fugitive. And it's just so badass and sounds so cool ass 90s. I just love that song so much. It's called Bug Powder Dust to get another William Burroughs reference, but it's a great way to kick off episode 189 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. Recording here in the Smart Start MN studios in South Minneapolis. Here we are at 48th and Chicago literally in my humble opinion a perfect day i think it's like 71 degrees outside no dew point to speak of not one cloud in the sky sun cool and as i mentioned to our guests before we wandered up to the studio today shorts and sweatshirt weather which is my dream and he's nodding in silent approval across from me which i like very very much we'll talk about our guest here in just a moment first let me say hello to my friend colleague co-owner and cohort one sean bernard hello sean How's it going? I'm doing well, man. I mean, I'm tired for a Tuesday, but I'm doing okay. Didn't sleep great last night. But you, I don't feel like I'm allowed to complain about being tired because you literally just moved all your worldly possessions into a brand new home. I did. It's a 1905 house that's uh, a little bit, you know. Is that an address or a year? No, that's a year. Oh, is it made from bamboo? Or it what, is. Uh, okay. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly sticks and dirt. <laughs> Some solid mud, but the mud <laughs> exactly. the, the mud was higher quality back it, in the early it's high resolution mud. Okay. Which is good. How is it going? Are you all right? You feel settled in? Yeah. I was, like you, I'm tired, sore. You know, a little offended. But other than that, <laughs> just by the nature of the world we live in, yeah, you know, you're doing okay. <laughs> Neighbors well, are nice. So we get we got like a fifty dollar care package from the. The couple that's lived there for 43 years. That's, like, but that's what the old school neighbors holy do. Holy shit. I mean, like the meat and cheeses, they were... The, like, the, the neighborhood I live in right yeah. now with my wife, I've lived in now for almost 30 years. When we first moved in, we had the one-year-old baby. Everybody else there was retirees. They'd lived there for yeah. 30, 40 years. We were sort of the young, fun couple on the block. Now we've lived on that block long enough for me to be like, those kids better stay off our lawn. <laughs> those kids better stay off I'm our... I'm keeping that ball, you Yeah, no, yeah, sorry. Lose it, I gain it, all right? Finders keepers, right? No, not really. But, I mean, it is weird how these neighborhoods transition over. So good for you. You're in there. You know, I don't know that we've ever kicked off this show, because you are a sponsor on the show as well, with mentioning you first. Before we talk about Smart Start even, let's talk about you. You bought this house. And so it's weird. You're a realtor, right? For yeah. uh, Edina Realty, 50th in France. Do you? Are you your own realtor? Do you get the fees on the money? Well, I just don't take spend? the fees. Yeah, I just don't take oh. the fees and then just kind of use that as a negotiation point. I see. And, and beat out other, you know, regular people. Dirty. For the, for the Dirty. Table, so. No, it worked out well. It uh Fun transaction. Uh, the people that were selling it were actually flippers, which was great because I wanted, I really didn't want to buy a house. I wanted to buy like a townhouse or condo and never mow or shovel again. But I lost that 
battle I, with my wife. I, and I can see both sides of it. Like, I've always been a guy who leases my cars because I'm bad at maintenance and yep. because I always want it to be under warranty. And so you end up paying more with the lease, right? But you don't build any equity or very little equity unless you buy, like, one of those really high resale value cars. Same thing with buying your own home versus living in a condo. Or, but association fees, all that, again, don't get me wrong. Do you... I don't ever want to mow. I don't want to shovel. I don't want to do any of it. But you'll never build any equity doing something like that. No, and of course, my wife, you'll, I, I bought an electric snowblower, <laughs> an electric lawnmower. I can handle it. There's it, no it, chance that she's going to be doing it. Oh, God, no, no, zero, no. Zero, no. zero chance. And again, not it. not because she's a woman. We don't do that no, on no, this show. No, no, never. But because you and I know our wives, right? Now, like, I'll occasionally come home and my wife will have shoveled the sidewalk. But she also has this expectation that our 23-year-old daughter should have done it by now, which means when I get home from a long day, yes, I'll be happy to shovel the walk Exactly. So the long and the short of it is if you know somebody who's looking to buy or sell, have them give me a call, 612-859-2594. The stupid, stupid Star Tribune put out another uh, article the other day (laughs) that Minnesota, the Twin Cities, is number one in the United States for lack of new housing. Oh, in terms of, like, developing new housing? Yeah, uh, although I closed a deal, well, two deals, including my own last week. I've got two more this week. It's not the end of the world. Things balance out, and the interest rates are historically low. Plus, right. I donate a portion of every buyer sell to a local artist or musician. 612-859-2594. Which is cool, because we feature a ton of local musicians on here. And after the last year and a half, we have to support, whether it's artisans, bakers, entrepreneurs, whoever it is, what's going on? Martin Devaney is the, is the guy who uh, is going to be donated to. Yeah, a guy named Quinn Nolan. Uh, right. We did a, a article with Paul Nolan, his dad. Yeah. But uh, he's going to donate to Martin Devaney. That's fair. Well, who was the most recent guest on exactly our podcast right. back on episode 188? And that was a brilliant insight. And it's great to see Martin getting back into the thick of mm-hmm. things. Um, we talked to all different types of people here on the podcast. And coming up, we're going to talk to somebody who is a colleague of mine, a peer of mine, someone who has been doing what I have chosen to do with my life foolishly or otherwise, uh, for a long time. But he does it in a very different way, and I find it to be a fascinating way. And he does it in a way that requires you to be more of a team player than... Here's the thing, man. Like, I mean, you can be creative. You can be interesting. You can do what you do and have your voice. But to be able to do it as a team player, I don't think there's anybody who does it quite like the Power Trip Morning Show on KFAN. I am an unrepentant rube of that station. Mm -hmm. I have been for a great many years. I've watched that station evolve over the course of these years. And I've always been a fan. And I don't really give a shit about sports. I'm going to be honest. I really don't. But what's really refreshing is even though they're conversant in it, they don't either. I mean, they like it, but I think they like it more because they can gamble on it than they actually like the sports themselves. <laughs> we'll get the details on that coming up. The calm, still, intelligent center of the chaos that is the Power Trip Morning Show, Corey Cove is going to be our guest. But before we get to him, I don't like to go on too long without music. Corey feels a way about a band that I can't wait to discuss with him the way I feel about Queens of the Stone Age. Now, you and I have talked about this. Oh, yeah. We're almost 200 episodes mm-hmm. into the show. This might be only the fourth or fifth time I've ever played a song by them. Fourth, the fourth time ever. I mean, this should have been nothing but Quatza the whole time. Always my single favorite band that makes music on planet Earth. But somehow, I felt the need to restrain myself and not pummel people and punish people. Except for today, it's gorgeous out today. It's a beautiful day. Full moon was rising this morning. The the uh, what vernal 
Uh, no, autumnal equinox yes, comes yes, tomorrow. Yes. I mean, this is a very portentous time of year. Mm. And the sort of spooky music fits with it beautifully. One of my all-time favorites off Era Vulgaris, Queens of the Stone Age on The Brian Oak Show. You know, now that I think about it, it's not just 
restraint. It's not just unusual. It's almost like someone placed a psychic block in my head and I'm looking at you, Sean. How is that only the fourth time I've played Queens of the Stone Age in 189 episodes of the show? I think it's because you are concerned that maybe the listeners don't love them as much as you do. Screw them. Queens of the it's Stone Age matter. show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I guess, and also maybe there's part of me that wants to hoard them and keep them to myself. That's the weird thing about loving a band, right? Queens of the Stone Age, my favorite band that still makes music today. My favorite of all time, by no means. My favorite now, I've traveled to see them multiple times, not unlike the guest we're about to introduce. He is the host of the Power Trip Morning Show. Now, granted, he's got other dazzling scintillating persons around him and he's been part of the kfan family for two decades he is a central figure over there his name is Corey cove Corey, how are you man good brian how are you i'm glad i'm glad to have you join me man I, the first person i bonded with at your station when all of our stations finally got brought under one roof together over there at planet utica in 2003 was paul charchian because he's an indie rock dork and i am a video game and fantasy sports dork so that was a match made in heaven but i slowly got to know all of you you. Um, and hockey, well, I worked for his wife for many years, and she was the best boss I ever had. I've even had no one less than Paul Meat Sauce Lambert on this show, but you're the final <laughs> you're the final member of the triad that has not yet been on this show, and so it dawned on me the other day, I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't I have Corey Cove on this show? Because I know that you are very good at what you do. You have fomented what has been a number one morning show in the Twin Cities, along with your colleagues. I mean, that's with a guy with my perspective on radio, at no point did I ever have a number one show, right? But I paid attention. I know how the game works. I see what various people do. And to think that a sports station had the number one, has the number one morning show in the market, that's remarkable to me, man. So first of all, in addition to welcome, congratulations on all your success, man. Yeah, thanks. Well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't quick and it wasn't easy. And I think you just accidentally stumbled across the the mystery and the uh, the magic is that it's not a sports show, right? Right. We and we we learned that a long, long time ago that that was going to be the way to win. That if we ever wanted to catch Tom Bernard, we couldn't just talk Tavares Jackson and whether or not we <laughs> think he should be the starting quarterback. But, oh, T Jack, man, we go. You know, I, I it. Man, this is almost twenty years ago because right. again, the power trip's coming up on twenty years in November uh, of one. I joined in like March or April of two. Right. So I missed the first five or six months of the show, but I remember when when Mike Morris and Chris Hawk and I had zero ratings and we're just starting those first two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, we were a ninety nine percent just call in show, a sports call in show. And right. when we started doing appearances as a show and getting out in the public a little bit, I remember the three of us saying, "How come nobody comes up to us and says a hey, like nice Dante Culpepper take?" Right. It would be hey such and such from the show that was hilarious. Right. But nobody was talking sports with us when they would come up and say that they loved the show. And it started to, you know, slowly click that uh, they don't really care about our sports takes. So why do we care so much about our sports takes if the listeners don't? Well, in the history of as, as, as watching KFAN evolve, pardon me, KFAN, I know it's not cool to call it KFAN. <laughs> I still call it KFAN. Either too. the fan or KFAN. I, for whatever reason, they don't like KFAN. Um, but at, watching it evolve over the years, you know. There are times of the year, namely NFL season, where I do want to hear hot NFL takes, right? And I do want to know, how, especially when I was playing more more fantasy football than I am now, which is none. Um, 
that I want. But the thing that I always loved about KFAN is everybody on there is articulate in other things, right? And it, much like people in their day-to-day life, or you just even look at someone's record collection. It's not all Queens of the Stone Age, you know? I've got some Connie Francis in there. I've got some Porter Wagner in there, you know? I mean, people live these varied lives. And so, but they also, they don't just want nonstop sports takes. So I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but 1500 ESPN is hot garbage because it's, when it comes time for college hockey season and nothing against college hockey fans, but an hour and a, an hour and a half of hardcore college hockey, I'm gone. And so, but when I listen to your show, I'll hear a sports take. It keeps me up to date on what I need to know. But one of the brilliant parts of yours, it's, it's, it's a morning show. I grew up on morning radio, right? And so, and I've always loved radio, whether it was a corny bit or a funny character that someone had created, or in the case of the strongest element, in my humble opinion, of the Power Trip Morning Show, the games you guys play, play range from the genuinely challenging and interesting to the corny. In fact, this morning I was allowed to <laughs> be the intro voice of a brand new game introduced by one Mr. Meat Sauce. Feels like a one-time game to me, but it was something to do. <laughs> well, again, again, again. But you know what that is? That's a segment killer down the road. Segment killer. I feel I feel like I feel like the bit needs some work, but I do feel like that intro was rock solid. That was good. It was a little too horny for me almost. <laughs> Which uh, is hard to imagine given your yeah. show. But I mean, wa- watching it evolve over the years. So, we go back to the early days of you uh at KFAN, right? And so you are part of the Power Trip Morning Show, but you are also arm in arm with another good friend of mine, a guy that I've gotten to know very well over the years, probably not as well as you, but H. Lake, Henry Lake. Um, And you were Sludge and Lake. More than what I want to know about how you two ended up getting thrown together and doing a show together, your initial nickname early on before you got enough significance and and respect to be called by your actual name Corey cove your nickname was sludge where did that nickname come from that was day one of my internship back in our bloomington days of uh, kfa and it was Uh uh, when i again i interned on day one with the morning show so i was man i've been lucky so many times but that was the luckiest part about it is i fell in love with kfa and through pa and dubay yeah yeah but my college schedule at the u did not overlap correctly with uh, that internship so chad abbott at the time said would would you like to intern on the morning show with mike morris and chris hockey and my response was i don't know who those two people are i've never heard that (laughs) show which was probably not the best response but i was being honest (laughs) right Uh, and i'm but i'm like but i absolutely if it gets me in the building with pa and dubay i'm in so day one of my internship, uh, I met Mike Morris for the first time, and I didn't know who the long snapper for the Vikings was, so I had never followed. I didn't care who he was in the 90s, even when he was on the team, right? let alone meeting him. I just was blown away by the size of that man more than uh, his uh, his fame at the point. He is a mountain. And he just says, uh, well, I, I don't like calling people their their name. Uh, we're going to come up with a, a nickname for you immediately. And I go, oh, I okay. Uh, <clears throat> so he said, do you want to be sludge or do you want to be filth? Those are my two options. Not great choices, either one oh of them. But again, we're talking day one. Right? Day one. So, at do you want to be sludge or filth? So you, there was no backstory. You, I mean, but you're like, you're like thrilled just to be in the building and yes. the opportunity to do this. You're like, well, I've got to pick sludge or filth. Yeah, and and I remember thinking, if I ever tell a female my nickname, I don't think. Either one of them is going <laughs> to knock it out of the park, but I think Sludge is a little more mysterious. Filth just sounds like I'm a pervert or something. So I said, I guess I'll go with Sludge, and that was it. it Almost was sounds like you were abducted by Ramsey Bolton in Game of Thrones I know. and given a name. And, and, and you just alluded to this as well, and you know this. I remember, <laughs> so Sludge and Lake starts in 04, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
it ended in 09. And I remember around 09, I said to Greg Swedberg, our, one of our big bosses at, uh, at iHeartRadio, I said, man, like, you know, I've been doing the sludge thing for almost a decade. I don't want to be sludge when I'm 40, 50, 60 years right, old. Right. And I remember him telling me, it's going to take you five to 10 years to shake that. I go, five to 10 years? He goes, at least. He's like, you've had that nickname now for six, seven, eight years. It's going to be hard to shake it. I go, well, how the hell do I shake a name then? <laughs> and if you hear my uh, live spots, I've been doing this for about a decade. I go out of my way to say Corey Cove as often as possible. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, that's how you have to do it. You have to beat you, beat him over the head with it for the next decade, and they'll probably let it go. And now there's about four people on the planet that call me sludge, and I almost never see those people anyway. Right. So it, it took probably six, seven years to shake it. He wasn't off. No, he was I mean, that, That's the nature of it. You get a certain ascendancy, you're sludge. There's no one who sees you in public who doesn't call you sludge. Right. And you did. You shook it. All right, now, let, before we go any further, either backwards in the story or forwards in the story, I don't like to go too long without hearing some music, and you have chosen as your first song what I consider some of the chewiest meat on the bone, and I love this. So, you know, I went off at length about Queens of the Stone, age i believe that you feel as strong if not stronger about the band 311 than i feel about quats up now here's what's great about music right it's fun to jibe each other it's fun to go back and forth there's not really a winner or loser in any of those it's just it's fun to spar when it comes to music but there are no right answers there are no wrong answers you you don't get to pick what you fall in love with you don't get to really pick who you are you can try to craft it and but if something hits that lizard part of your brain and makes you feel that feeling i don't know why you deny it and you accept it and you do the thing that you do and for you i've known for a very long time i mean much like i've traveled to see quatsa you've traveled more than once to see 311 uh, i've been to i think 14 different states to see him and i've seen him wow. something like 50 plus times in fact i'm gonna go see in about t- uh two weeks from uh well, actually, like a week and a half from now, I guess, I'm going to go see him in Red Rocks for the oh, second time. Oh, does it, oh so right. Did you not just see them? I just saw him, yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't thrilled about that. I'll tell you about that in a second. But even though the venue is spectacular, I haven't seen 311 in a couple of years, of course, because of COVID. Right. So to get my, to take my wife and my two daughters who have not seen 311, my yeah. wife has, my daughters have not, to, to show them for the first time my favorite band, so a little glimpse at their dad's life. Yeah. At the greatest rock venue in the country would have been really cool to have a two year break, but I did get to see him about a week ago, which is cool. So I've never been to Red Rocks and I keep looking and kind of trying to find the right time. And it feels like one of those things I'm going to drag my feet mm. on. Have you been to Red Rocks, Sean? I've just been there, but I've not seen a band there. I, it, it's so dumb that I haven't been there because I have friends. Best friend in the world follows widespread panic around the world has been there five times to see them. And he's like, dude, this is better than church. The best church you've ever been in. This is better than church. And if you're watching a band you love, it doesn't get better than that. So you're going going to two weeks. Yep. It's it is the greatest, too. And uh, I've I've said that about Red Rocks to anybody that can listen, that uh, it doesn't matter who your favorite band is. Uh, When they play Red Rocks, you have to go out of your way to see them because it is just seen like your favorite band on steroids because it is kind of this. Um spiritual moment because the the view is so spectacular mm-hmm. right. at night with the Denver skyline in the background the uh-huh. rocks on the side it's you know stadium naturalized mm-hmm. stadium seating there right. are no bad seats the 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 vibe the electricity is just off the charts it, you just cannot do a show poorly at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Denver, right outside of Denver. So before we hear the song, then, the fact that you're still electric this many years on of being a fan of this band. You've been a fan for more than 20 years, 1995. clearly. 1995. Okay, very good. So we're talking about more than 25 years. You 
I have been a fan of this. You, I can see the excitement. It's almost like you're on your way to Vegas again. I can see the excitement yep. in your eyes and hear it in your voice. You're still that thrilled. Tell me, elevator speech version, why this band thrills you, and then we're going to go into this song. Well, I love the way I've heard you say what you just said in the past, too, that you don't get to pick the bands that you love or the music. It just it just hits you. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember the moment I heard 311 for the first time, and this is a generational thing because I am from the MTV generation. Uh, but I was uh, 15 years old, and 311's Down hit MTV for the first time. Um, this is pre-LASIK, so I would I had no vision. My contacts were out. It was awful. And I used to sleep in middle school and high school. I used to sleep with the TV on, but with it to my back, because obviously I just didn't want the light in my face. Right. So I would sleep with the TV on behind me. And as a 15-year-old or 16-year-old, I would fall asleep to MTV all the time. Just I'm like, all right, I'll listen to music as I'm falling asleep. Right. The, uh, the song you're about to play, 311's Down, which put them on the map, the the opening riff shook me so much. I'm like, what the F? Is-? Like, I, I you know got up, turned around. I'm squinting at the TV because my contacts are not in. I'm going, who the bleep is this? Because this, this opening riff is so simple, but the guitar pedal, the effects pedal, it's like this hyper fuzz is the sound of like my brain. Like that, that is what, when I play guitar, that's the sound that I like. I will never get sick of them playing this opening riff. I've seen them do this song almost 55 times. I love it just as much as a week ago when I saw them than I did for the first time when I saw them in 1997. Uh, I just will never get tired of this song. This song changed my life. It really did.
one of the things, one of the reasons that I ask people who are guests on the Brian Oak Show podcast to pick some of their favorites and bring them by, regardless of genre, style, era, any of that stuff, is because I do really like to learn. I don't pretend that I know everything, and I also enjoy perspective. A lot of us make snap judgments about everything in life, right? Whether it is food, television shows, music. I think back in the 90s when I first heard 311, I associated them too closely with bands like Sublime, and most Sublime, mm. Sublime fans I didn't dig. Sure. 311 obviously has a much harder, funkier groove, and I probably would have been more appropriate to align them with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who at the time were still dropping some serious funk as well. And a big influence on 311, by Clearly, the way. Clearly, yeah. I mean, because I'm old enough that I go back to the very, very earliest days of Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I still love them, even through all the weird ballads and different changes <laughs> they've the way, gone through. By the way, before you move on, uh, they're so good friends, too, and 311 has so much respect for uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 311 opened for the Chili Peppers on December 31st, 1999. So, like, the Millennium Show was 311 into Chili Peppers. Were you there? I was not. But I wish you bet you wish I you were. I definitely wish I would have been. Also, the other thing that I think I held against them, and again, that whole judging a book by its cover <clears throat> or prejudice thing is not cool, man. It, everyone knows it's not cool, but there's a member of the band whose name is Peanut. Yeah, the bass player. Yeah, yep. P-Nut. Yep, nickname, but again, sure. Again, but again, again, if, I, if I'm not paying well, close enough Chili attention... Peppers have flea no i got it i got it man i got it that yeah. I'm, I'm openly no, I apologizing it. right now yeah. i am i am coming hat in hand mea culpa yep. i made decisions very early on about 311 that were ill-informed right and I, again that's the song everyone knows for sure but I'll far bet, from their best song just their most popular precisely right and so same with queens i, I yep. picked a really deep song right there off an album that nobody cares about era vulgaris that i absolutely adore I think I'm just speaking to a grander thing. No matter what the music is, no matter what the medium is, there's more out there. And yeah. obviously, we can't all spend all the time necessary to have a full appreci appreciation of everything. But that's why I like it when you pull out 311. I'm learning and I'm understanding more yeah. and more by the moment. So before oh, go ahead, because I, I, I can tell you one other thing that I think that you and I me. can connect on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that, that I think is different about 311 fans, almost, I think almost more than any other band I've ever seen, even from afar, is they are such a polarizing band because they're so different. Uh, I don't think anybody sounds like them, which is another reason why I love them. I don't think there's anybody out there pre or post that are exactly 311 clones. Right. Um, 311 fans from 1995 to today are either psychos like me <laughs> or you don't like the band at all. There's honestly not a lot of in-between on 311. They're very right. polarizing because you either get it or you think they're unbelievably annoying. But I'm also self-aware enough to know that I think the, the vast majority of people that don't like 311, it's lyrically based. Because they definitely have a touch of cheesiness to them sometimes. And then there's they don't rap a lot in the last 20 years. They've kind of moved on from the rock rap thing. Right. Um, but if you're anti-rock rap, that's hard to listen to. Because for most of the 90s, that's what they were. Right? They've definitely expanded their, their, their palette since then. Right. So I think... It is, it's one of those bands that you are either, you're going to see them 50 times or you don't ever want to hear them again. And I totally get why you wouldn't uh, like them at all. However, I know you well enough to know how much you just appreciate musicians. If 311 was an instrumental band, I think I could sell you hardcore because Tim Mahoney on guitar is like Carlos Santana at times. He's unbelievably good. Right. Despite the name, Peanut is an exceptionally good bass player. He's freakishly good with like the slap bass trick that he has. And, and I'm not I, mad I, at his name. For sure. I just, I, it made I get me it. discount him. I totally get it. And Chad Sexton, again, I would take uh, his drumming versus anybody else in the business. So as a band itself, 
I think I could blow you away with some of their instrumentals. My guess is that the lyrics drive you nuts. I, here's the deal. I'm not mad at 311 at all. Yeah. I'm actually just kind of ambivalent. It, it struck me sure. again in the 90s. And unfortunately, what I did is I made a decision in the 90s when they were in their nascency, right? I mean, they were just getting going with what they were doing and finding their voice and really starting to make it happen. I decided it wasn't my jam. Yeah. And so I never bothered to circle back around. And they've continued to make music for another 20 plus years. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I'm not mad at 311 at all i just but here's the thing you you do feel about 311 the way i feel about quatza because i could i could do an entire fucking ted talk on queens of the stone age and why everybody should fucking listen to them 100 percent because they absolutely rule before we continue with Corey cove got to take care of a couple of sponsors one smart start mn they are the primary sponsor of the brian oak show what do they do they are the founders of minnesota's ignition interlock situation the entire whole system that's in place right now what does that do well let's say you drink and drive terrible idea but uh oh you did it there's no taking it back now you've lost your license how are you going to get back in your car sean i ask you how well all you got to do is go to smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show and then they'll give you 20 percent off the installation of the ignition interlock system i was going to say you know during COVID, people just had to drive from their couch to their bed. Oh. And now COVID's over and people are out at the bars and they're having a good time. And a lack of experience. They're suddenly not up to their game speed. They're like, wait a minute. Maybe I, I am okay to drive. Oh, no. No, you're not. Again, the weird thing about Smart Start is having the primary sponsor of the show being someone that you hope no one will ever have to call is weird, but we know how people are. We understand human nature. People are going to drink and drive. So if that happens and you do screw things up, you need to get back on track and you need to get your life back on course. The good people over at Smart Start, they're non-judgmental, they're music heads, and they're really cool, and they're offering you a discount on an already very affordable program, smartstartmn.com slash Brian show if you want to learn more we should probably also thank the good people at forgotten star brewing this past weekend you and i had a blast there it was was a great time the kickoff of their Oktoberfest. now we weren't there friday night but you and i were there for the full day of saturday saturday's weather was much like today i mean beautiful not too hot not humid beautiful gorgeous blue skies i shared a ton of pictures on social media of their building it, it's an incredible situation that they have going on right there. It's very cool. I love the history of any uh, building like that, but the fact that there were World War II, you know, weapons being built there is always... They were boring the cannons that would yes. go on destroyers that would go out into the Pacific Theater. That's what they had to retool for, and then the building luckily survived those two iconic stacks in the sky, and these days they're one of the more iconic breweries here in the Twin Cities. Yeah, it was packed out there on Saturday. We had uh, uh, several Patreon members out there, but one of the Patreon members brought 20 friends. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of people to get to go to Oktoberfest at Forgotten Star Brewing. Great partnership. Uh, Remember that uh, you can bring your dog there. Kind of a cool thing. Indoors. Outdoors, yeah. they got a great outdoor music, and they're going to have more music throughout the course of the summer Absolutely. as well. So, yeah. ForgottenStarBrewing.com if you'd like to know more. Corey Cove, you are a Minnesota boy, is that correct? Yes, sir. Born and raised. Born uh, and raised. Uh, born in St. Paul, and then when I was uh, seven, moved to Chisago Lakes, Chisago City, Minnesota. So How was that transition for a young seven-year-old? It was easy, yeah. yeah. No, and honestly, Chisago was a great place to grow up. It's one of those classic examples of... Uh, no offense to the people there now, but I uh, wouldn't want to live there now. It's too slow for me, but yeah. it was a perfect place to grow up because everybody was on the lake. Everybody knew everybody. So you get the small town feel that's 30 minutes from the cities. Right. 
Uh, so you're not out of civilization, but you are at the same time, somehow simultaneously. So, so that's kind of perfect, really. Absolutely perfect. Loved my childhood. Uh, no complaints at all. It's always busted my chops that I can't say born and raised. I was born in Portland, Oregon, but my parents moved here when I was like two. So I don't really know anywhere else, you right. know. It still so I can't say born and raised. I'm just going to go raised. But sure. yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't have the same beautiful crystal coated memories of Coon Rapids that you have of Chisago Lakes, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that you had that experience. So yeah. you grew up there. You decide you're going to the U of M. What do you go to the U of M for? So at first I didn't know. Uh, I just knew my dad went to the U of M. My brother went to the U of M. I just knew since I was in middle school. I'm like, I'm going to the U. Uh, got there, had no idea what I wanted to do. And then a couple of years in, uh, kind of fell in love with the idea of print journalism. And right. my long-term goal was to write for Rolling Stone, right? You get shoot for the stars. Why not go mm-hmm. big? So, but you, so you were always a music fan from day one. Big time. And if you could marry those two loves exactly. and you liked writing as well. Yeah, that's what I was good at in high school. Right. So I thought when I was uh, a sophomore in college, I said, well, I got to figure out a major pretty quickly here. Otherwise, if you don't get started by the time you're a junior, <laughs> you fall really off course. Oh, so, uh, the seven-year program. Whew, right. So <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go for print journalism. Let's uh, let's shoot big. And then what happened? Then the funniest thing happened. What um, happened? I had a, uh, a college girlfriend, my long-term college girlfriend. She, uh, We were together for about two and a half years. And she decided to study abroad in Australia. Oof. So I'm like, I got five months without a girlfriend. What the hell am I going to do to kill time? I was working part-time at Best Buy at the time. And... Electronics. Yeah, exactly. Washer dryer. Was it electronics? Uh, well, at first it was customer service before I ended up going into the TV department. But yeah. I just started, like almost every high school or college kid, I just went for the employee discount. I wanted <laughs> discounted tech, right? I still work at a record store for that reason. Exactly. I don't need that job anymore. It's just for fun, right? Yeah. Um, but then, I, as I mentioned earlier, I fell in love with P and Dubay, and I'm like, well, if she's gone, maybe I'll see if they have internships. So, but have you, you done any kind of radio? Had any no. proclivity for radio before that? You're just nope. like, I would like to be around those guys because you obviously yeah. clearly also like sports. Because those the, two are pretty sports intensive. Yeah, and at the time I loved sports. Right, yeah. I was 21, 22 years old, and I still really, really gave a shit about sports. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I love PA and Dubay. I'm not looking for a career, but that might be kind of fun. Yeah, and I got lucky. So as soon I knew on, and I'm not even exaggerating. I knew week one of my internship. This is so much more fun than writing. I'm like, I have to find a way to do this. I knew week one. So I, I just want to I, I just want to interject for one second because you said something that has resonated with me my entire career. You said you got lucky. All right. Yeah. You got the opportunity. And let's be honest. There are a lot of people who would like the opportunity who don't ever get the opportunity. So it's true. When you get the opportunity, that is being lucky. But what I have found, because I've had a couple such opportunities in my life, if you then don't show up every single fucking day yes. and do everything that's ever asked of you, sacrifice everything, all your free time, all your everything. So opportunity matters, right? But th- there were a number of people early in my career who were like, well, you just got lucky. You got everything handed to you, to which I say F you, because Correct. the door opens so you have to be smart enough to realize this door is not going to open many more times if it ever opens again. You have no choice but to work, work, work. If you don't work when that opportunity opens up, so it just it it strikes a chord with me when you say you got lucky, you did. But if you don't follow up with hard work and results, then your luck doesn't effing matter. Well, I'll give you a couple of really short term examples from those first uh, six to twelve months. Yeah. Is I would say about a month or two into my internship, I was doing Monday, Wednesday, Fridays with uh, with Chris Hockey and Mike Morris. The Tuesday, Thursday intern, who had been, I believe, the intern the first five months of the show, got some radio job in some small town in, I don't even know what state. So there was a Tuesday, Thursday opening, and I, I was there when Chris told me, oh, so-and-so just quit, and I go, I'll take it. 
Right. If I'm not there to say I'll do all five days for free, right? They maybe hire somebody else or find somebody else, and then I don't seal that you know door shut. So right. I worked Monday through Friday for free for almost two years because I'm I'm not giving this spot up. I'm never going to let anybody else in this in this position. Well, and that's the bit, right? I mean, like it, it show business at some point maybe gets glamorous. I mean, you found yourself right now in a great position, but I would never ever say, oh, Corey Cove landed this spot luckily you worked every goddamn day to Hard, get where yeah. you are today i mean that that's the nature of it and i think a lot of people who are like oh it'd be fun to sit around on the radio <laughs> and talk about sports that's not what it's like it's, no. a, it's a real ass grind yeah man. and i don't want to i don't want to shit on some of the interns we've had in the last 20 years but i'll shit on some of them fine um well some of them deserve it so my gal's gone for five months in college i pick up this internship yeah she breaks up with me the weekend she gets back son of a oh. bitch and of course, I'm blindsided by it. Right. She feels so guilty of me uh, waiting for her for five months. She changes her mind, gets back with me. Oof. We hold on for like seven or eight months, and then she just out of nowhere just says, uh, "No thanks, this ain't gonna work." By the <laughs> no way, this thanks. just <clears throat> yeah, hard pass. <laughs> uh, she breaks up with me. She breaks up with me over the phone the night of a Lewis Black Mitch Hedberg show that I was going oh, to. Oh what God. what better elixir? What better cure? For a broken yep. heart, then freaking Lewis Black into <laughs> Mitch Hedberg. I laughed my fucking ass off <laughs> with those two. <laughs> two of the most the disturbing people on the planet, right? Mitch is, Mitch is my second favorite comedian of all time, so yeah. I, I, it couldn't have been better timing. But the reason why I'm bringing this story up is, um, at that point, I think the show was maybe 6 to 9. I don't think we were 5.30 to 9 yet. Right. Um, we've had a handful of interns over the years at, at, at KFAN that show up at 5.59 and leave at 9.01. Right. They don't... Um, they don't ask, what else can I do? They're not self-starters. They basically just do the show and then say, when are you going to hire me? And I, I always wanted to scream at those handful of interns and go, dude, when my girlfriend broke up with me, I used this show as my defense mechanism. Yeah. I didn't want to go home and just sit and pout. I would stay from 9 o'clock till sometimes like 3 in the afternoon for free, cutting up sound bites, looking at old you know movies, looking for, uh, for, for funny drops for Mike and Chris to use, coming up with ideas. Like, I didn't want to leave at the time Clear Channel because I didn't want to go home and pout. I used this defense mechanism to, like, basically show everybody in the building that I wanted it this bad. Well, that it, that's it, going to be the the next, you know, path of my career is is I'm going to find a way to give... You, one of you is going to give me a job. I don't even care who, but I'm not going to leave this building until I get hired. But the only thing I'll throw on top of that is, you know, it's not just... Even if you're not trying to staunch the bleeding from an impossible emotional wound... No matter what you're trying to do in life, right? I mean, there'll always be people that you're bitter about. Like, well, how come they're getting all this? How come they're getting all that? And in, unless they're a trust fund baby or right. their their parents own the company or whatever, the people who succeed the best in life, the, the luckiest people, someone told me, and I'm going to fuck up the quote, but somebody told me the luckiest, it's surprising how often the luckiest people you know are the people who work the hardest, right? You got to put in the hours. You have to want it no matter what, what brand, whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter. You have to work your fucking ass off. Even if I love it, how people think like, oh, you guys have a wacky morning show and you come up with funny jokes and you say, you know, boobs and stuff like that. Right. It's literally decades of foundational work of honing your craft, of all of you being smart enough to know what plays well with people. And I mean, we're going to get to this in the next segment after we hear another song right here. Um, but the thing that I marvel at with the Power Trip Morning Show, you know, your ascendancy, the path of your career, all of that. 
every one of you has put in hard work, very, very hard work. But that doesn't always mean, just like any relationship or anything else, that you're going to find that amalgam of the three right people. Now, I know you guys have a lot of, of side players, right? And there are other people who are regulars. Anytime one of the three of you, and I'm talking about Paul Meat Sauce Lambert, Chris Hockey, and you yourself, Corey Cove, the show is still fine and it will always survive. But anytime one of the three of you isn't there, it's not the same show it otherwise is. It's like a three-way marriage in uh, an almost impossible to describe way. I mean, do you feel the same way? No, and we know this. And again, this is we could do a nine-hour podcast if I wanted to be very <laughs> self-serving on on the behind-the-scenes calculation over the last twenty years of of, of the Power Trip Morning Show. Because I think people, a lot of people, because they listen to it and go, "This show is dumber than shit." Uh, <laughs> no, I think that it's just a bunch nope. of idiots. No, nope. and, and a lot of times we are, but we've made a lot of handful of a uh, very critical behind-the-scenes decisions that I like to think that we were. Uh, ahead of the curve for the market in terms of we stopped taking calls a long time ago because we were like, this is a pain in the ass. We stopped doing a 100% sports show a long time. We've made all these little choices, but the one that, to your point, that you can't just choose is that the three of us are exaggerations of our real self, right? So nobody's acting. We're all just kind of highlighting who we are. So you have the natural balance between I'm I'm a personal optimist, but I am a social pessimist, <laughs> and and, well and I'm a hardcore skeptic about almost anything. You, I'm, I'm, I come from the George Carlin, like I don't question uh, everything. How does it go? He says something like, um, "Don't teach your kids how to read; teach your kids how to question everything they read." Right. I question everything that I read, so of I'm course. a skeptic. I'm a pessimist. Uh, Chris is the eternal optimist. He loves every TV show, every song, every <laughs> band, and then Sauce is the wild card. Yeah. Right. Sometimes Sauce hates things that I can't believe he hates. Sometimes he loves things that I can't believe he loves. Right. So we have this weird kind of balance where I'm normally leaning leaning negative. Chris is normally leaning positive. Uh, Sauce is somewhere in the middle. Right. So if one of us is gone, like when I'm gone, it's a effing love fest. Right. It's everything's great. Let's high five. When when Hawk's gone, it's just a freaking rip fest. It's yeah. everything sucks. The world's ending. And then when Sauce is gone, we are losing the randomness and we lose that uh, that this the 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 humor that he brings, the randomness that he brings. So when one of the three of us is gone, that natural balance between the three of us just isn't right. Despite everybody else filling in the gaps, uh, it just it just doesn't feel right because the balance isn't there. So we got very lucky that those are exactly who we are. We just have to blow it up for the radio. So do you remember the exact date that it happened that you got the call that they were going to start paying you for the gig? Yeah. And, what and was that if, like? If you want to circle back, that was the Sludge and Lake announcement. Uh, the failed KFA in the restaurant for a thousand other reasons, but the the, the yes. restaurant was opening up. <laughs> oh yeah, and Mick Anselmo, that. former big wig Mick Anselmo, he said, was a big ideas guy. He was, and 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 without Mick's big ideas, I don't have a career because right. they wanted a a weeknight show live from the restaurant seven to nine. Uh, Lake was up and coming at at KFA doing mm-hmm. weekend stuff and some fill in stuff. I was just the jackass third wheel on the morning show. Uh, but obviously, again, I've been working my ass off for two years, so a handful of people, Mick and Selma was one of them, thought I was ready. Uh, I wasn't sure that I was, but uh, they had a handful of people audition. I think they even flew a couple of people in, so I got very lucky that they weren't good enough to just take that spot, because <laughs> right. my life's also very different. Right. Uh, but they gave us a chance. They gave me and Lake a chance, and at the time, I said yes, and I will never forget Dan Seaman. Uh, pushing the contract offer in front of me and going, uh, this is your first job. You have no leverage. Just sign this. And I go, yes, sir. Uh-huh. So I signed it. And I, I but that, sounds like Dan. Thing. Right. But, sounds and like I love Dan. Dan Seaman, but that's exactly yeah. how that no, first negotiation went. 
And and he was right. I had no leverage. But I re- I remember being so excited about getting Sludge and Lake that I didn't have time to process. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to get up at three o'clock in the morning and do the morning show. Go home and nap. And then I'm going to come back and do the night show. Like I'm going to do that. That was almost five years of my life, which is honestly the main reason I was single for five years. I had no social life from 24 to 29. I just I had no energy by the by the time Friday rolled around. I was dead freaking tired and had no interest in going out. The other thing I'll throw in is this, that they um, you know, and again, I'm not trying to say woe is us, people who do this sort of thing for a living. However, the lack of perspective again, right, not only with the amount of actual work and the hours you put in, whether you're getting up early, staying up late, doing both in your case for five years. Yeah. People think, again, yes, there are people who literally get up and dig ditches. There are people who literally get up and do mind-numbing manual labor or sit in a cube and fill out TPS reports. (laughs) If people think what you do for a living is simple being on all the time oh. like for me i'm on for a few minutes between a bunch of songs you know and so the podcast to me is a little more akin to something like what you do being on more than you're not on even with big commercial breaks and having to be focused now that's why it's great to have a team right and why it's good to have cool guests you know like parish and tommy and all the cool people that you have in uh, brianne for many many yeah. years um all the different you know marnie who She's the best. Dude, she's mm-hmm. such a freaking pro, I man. love Marnie Gellner so much. Everything about Marnie Gellner, like, she just doesn't ever F up. She's amazing. And she's the coolest person ever, too, so it's the double-edged sword of, she's talented, and she's so much fun, and she's like the she's the most likable person you can ever meet. <laughs> Ultra pro. So, but my, my point is that people will genuinely and routinely underestimate what the sort of, maybe it's not a physical acumen, maybe it's a mental fortitude to do the thing you do. You have to not only be awake at 5 30 you have to be on and ready which means prep prep goes into it you're working the night before i just what i don't like is having gone through this for at least as long maybe longer than you have the the amount of people who are willing to underestimate what it actually takes to execute not only execute but to execute at a high level consistently on a day-to-day basis yeah sure some bits fall in the mud and they're idiotic other times though it's brilliant and i want to get to that next because i want to talk about initials game i know that you don't like to make much about it but i do want to talk about it because there are very few things that didn't exist before and now exist that are as impactful and as big a deal and frankly destination radio in an era where radio is trending in the wrong direction but we've gone way too long without hearing a song now i've been racking my brain since we first sat down i know somebody turned me on to this band at one point and said you have to listen to so-and-so song and i can't place it i can't place the person i can't place the song possibly pablo from 93x and the only reason no. I say that is, as I know, 93 is where I found this, and I believe it was Pablo that was a diehard of Fair to Midland. I'm almost positive I know it was. Pablo, but I don't believe that it was Pablo. I, I just, I can't place it, but you picked a band called Fair to Midland, yep. which is not exactly a household name. Why'd you I pick did, this one? Not even close. And the reason why I picked them is, is 311 is my all-time favorite band, and I'm, to your point, not ashamed in any way to admit it because I love them and I don't care who knows it. Fuck everybody else, man. Yeah. If you love them, that's the only right answer. Correct. So, But my point is, 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 at this point, they've been around for almost 30 years. Right. You either like 311 or don't at this point. This band, <laughs> Fair to Midland, so infuriates me that they never made it. Right. Because everybody should know about them. They have two of my all-time favorite albums. Uh, an album called Arrows and Anchors came out, I think, in 2011, 2012. Is arguably my second or third favorite album of all time. Wow. They are, <laughs> this is my favorite way to describe them, System of a Down meets Lord of the Rings. 
So so much so much so. Are you flirting with me no. right now? No, I'm, I'm in because man. it's like system with folk music and rock, but hard rock. But they hit that hard. But so so, so much system of a down that Serge Tankian from um, from System started his own record label. The first band he signed was Fair to Midland because I think he said this is us reincarnated with but weirder in some ways. But like with weird English folky vibes sometimes. Yeah, but they are. They are a rock band when it comes to it, and Dance of the Manatees is a song we're going to play in a second, and that is the one that put them on the map for me, and it was really their, their big hit, uh, if you want to even say a hit. Right. The reason why I wanted to bring this up with you specifically is they are no longer, because they never caught on, they mm. toured extensively to try to catch, they were in debt. I saw them at the Varsity Theater once in front of about 100 people, what? and my wife and my best friend and I were going... How is this place not packed? These guys are geniuses right. and nobody cares. So I am so always, I'm always going to be heartbroken that we basically got two albums from these guys and they're done. I believe the lead singer Darrow is in Texas doing vocal lessons or something. He's just teaching. He's, they're not touring. They're done. Like they've been done for almost a decade. Now, did, Epic failure, did, but did they're they just ever get brilliant. enough of a taste that like 20 years from now, someone's going to be like, God damn it, I need a 20th anniversary re-release of this particular album? I, I don't think so. I know, Oof. you know, in the last handful of years, a lot of uh, the fans have joked about getting a GoFundMe or a crowdsource. Right. I just think all of the guys now are so removed from it that they're all spread out. They have families. They have careers. It's just over. And it's just too bad because I, I just love, love, love both of these albums. Shallow spiral deep sea. See the tortoise in there in a red race. And if it's a good glove in the my sleeve, just for two of them. Their heads are the heaviest in operation. It's still not a lost imagination. You can hear them out the whole ending, just with your Put your mouth where your money is One of the birds of a book are that clever If I knew I'd keep locked, that's a given Just wait till then Their heads cast shadows like skyscrapers Still small enough to fit up their asses To put it all into perspective The definition
As I said earlier, I'm not afraid of not knowing everything. In fact, to me, it's more interesting to live a life where I've made it into my early 50s that I still have more to learn because there's you can't ever know all of it. And then you hear something, you're like, that was fucking badass, man. Yeah. I mean, it was good. It's like, I like soaring rock, and I'm not against the But it's not often that you hear a band that melds those two, except for some of the really terrible emo bands that were trying to, you know, confide in bands like that that were trying to come out in the early 2000s. But when they're that melodic and they're that good and they don't take the chugga chugga or the math rock too seriously, <laughs> I mean that 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 was a real song. Right no, there. this that dude can great, sing. Darrow is a terrific singer, and I, I knew it was over when I drove to see him in Sioux Falls once, and they were the opening band for Flyleaf. Uh, the lighting guy never changed the lights, even in between <laughs> oh, songs. Man. So they closed with that song, Dance of the Manatee, and the guitar player stepped up to the mic and goes, hey, by the way, thanks to the asshole for never changing the lights. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the help. Almost like, are you kidding me? Like, we're, we're, we're you know, again, we're almost broke. We're busting yeah. our ass. Give us a bone here. Then, yeah. then, this is when I knew it was over. Then in between, when we're waiting for Flyleaf, <laughs> I walk back to the merch table. Take a wild guess who's running the merch table. Guitar player. Of course. When when the the guitar player is running the merch, it's over. Well, that's not entirely uncommon. When a band still trying to make it happen, have a member back there. And for fans, that can be cool. But I almost wonder if that band, if you first heard them on 93X, if they didn't suffer from a misbranding on whoever, whatever label Mm -hmm. they were on. Because there are bands, and so you and I were talking a little bit while that was playing. There are bands like Wooden Ships, who don't rock nearly that hard, but do sort of a similar epic cool, groovy, crazy style, or Black Mountain, who do rock that hard, and also go kind of big and epic and crazy cool vocals like that with alternating styles that kind of fall under more of an alt banner than a rock banner. And, you know, I know the two often cross over, but I almost wonder if that band didn't suffer from a misbranding. I mean, like, because Flyleaf, I don't want to go see Flyleaf. I would go see Fair to Midland in a heartbeat, but apparently I missed my window. You missed your window. Yeah, no, and I think you're right. I I think they are a heavy alt-rock band, I think is the perfect way to Mm -hmm. say it, because they're they're, they're not a metal band, but they definitely have moments of metal. Which is fine. I mean, you can get hard. Queens of the Stone Age is not a metal band, but they have moments where they absolutely savagely melt your face. Before we wrap up with Corey Cove, we do have to make mention of Palmer's Bar. Palmer's Bar Mm -hmm. is a sponsor of this fine program, and they are over on the West Bank, and live music 
music isn't over. I know that the weather's getting cooler and everyone's getting all panicky and, dare I say it, the leaves are starting to change, which never comes soon enough for me. It heralds my favorite season of the year. That being said, there are going to be plenty of opportunities to find yourself on Palmer's deck, out back of Palmer's. Stop by, say hi to Tony and his entire staff over there. Palmersbar.net is where you get the full rundown of what they're up to. Yeah, and I love it that... Uh Soon I'll be able to take the train down to Palmer's. Oh, what do you mean soon? Oh, because you just now moved into my neighborhood. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, listen, by the way, the pop by is dead. That's over. All right. I talked to your wife. I'm nope. popping by. No, you're not <laughs> calling or texting in advance. The I, I can't believe the pop by ever used to be a thing. I know at one point we didn't have cell phones or the internet. Now that we've remedied that, the pop by is officially dead. If someone knocks on the door and I'm not expecting anyone, I roll off the couch and huddle up next to it and turn the television off and just wait for them it's to the leave. It's the worst, most invasive feeling. Uh, we used to have a neighbor at our last place that would do that. What are the feds doing here? Now, I haven't even smoked weed in 20 plus years, <laughs> but back when I was a heavy smoker and someone did the pop by and knocked on the door, dude, I would huddle up and turtle up so hard. Oh my Get God. your belly on the ground. Get what? your butt down, soldier. Right, exactly. What, what are the feds doing here? Don't move. Don't move. Don't breathe. I'm sure they've got a thermal tracker. It's cool. it's Corey cool. Cove is the what I call the intelligent calm still center. I love how you describe the nature of the show that you do earlier on because, you know, everyone brings a different element to play. And then you bring in all these incredible side characters. Although I got to be honest, on Fridays, you guys invite about 45 people to sit in the studio with we you. We do. And it's, it, I understand that it's wonderful for them because it's wonderful for me. I'm a rube, man. I love your show. I genuinely love it. But damn, trying to do a show where there are <laughs> literally people, yeah. like in this little room we're in right now in the Smart Start MN studio, if we had chairs literally around the entire side, it would be a different show, man. Does it change the nature of how you approach your work when the room is... And I'm not trying to over-exaggerate it, but I mean, sure. there, I've been in there before where there's 15 people yeah, in there. Yeah, sometimes there's 15, but... Yeah, whether it's uh, our Vegas shows or our state fair shows, we're definitely, or t- uh, when we do our shows at Treasure Island, we're definitely used to crowds at this point in our right, careers. Not, right. not the case necessarily 16, 17, 18 years ago when we were doing shows to like four people. Right. Um, I-, I love it because I think it changes Sauce the most. Sauce <laughs> loves playing to a crowd. Yeah, he does. So I'm never going to turn a crowd away because I think he's so much better when he gets laughs and yeah. he loves trying to get laughs in front of strangers. <laughs> So I just think it's maximum meat sauce with crowds, and I'm a big fan of that. Uh, the one thing I want to get to for sure before we get to the last song, because we don't have too much more time here, yeah. um, is in addition to the three of you, and again, the surrounding cast, but really when I look at the show, I would the, there are the three pinnacles, right? There is the pyramid of, of you three. The chemistry is unquestionable, and it is, to me, at the heart of what makes it successful, and everyone brings a different thing to the party, right? And... In addition to doing sports, games or interaction, not necessarily with the fans, but with other people and that sort of thing. Also, your love of gambling, something I wanted to talk about earlier, so you have to come back another time because there's no way we're going to be able to go deep enough on gambling here. But the games part is fun because the number of games that you have on your show, whether administered by you or by hockey or by sauce even, soap stars or porn stars... (laughs) I know you didn't love it. I know. <laughs> let, let it breathe. All right. Let it breathe. Um, but th- those are fun for people because even if you're just playing amongst yourselves, people love more than anything to sit along in their car and feel smart. And a lot of times you can do that. And it's a way different example, man. I played initials before, right? It's hard. I got blanked and I didn't feel <laughs> terrible about it. But again, when, even when I'm playing in my car, the number of times I'm able to get there before any of the contestants isn't that often, man. People get used to the vibe. So. 
coming up with a new bit or a new game that not only does well but gets legs enough to suddenly crawl out of the ocean into onto the land into the real world initials game came along and you do it every friday on the power trip morning show there's very little and i've done radio for a long time right and i try not to be too harsh a critic but i relatively am initials game is the only destination radio i've found in the 21st century and i'm not trying to overstate it it's the only thing that I make sure, even though I'm on the air, that we pre-record those breaks <laughs> so that I can go out to my car and have a cigarette and listen to. Nice. I, I really do, man. And so it's awesome. I want to know before. And so initials game, in a nutshell, tell people what initials game is. Yeah, we've been playing it for I don't know something like seven, seven and a half years, right. and basically it's it is at the core of it. It's just trivia. It's just structured trivia, and 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 the structure is what makes it unique mm-hmm. than just general trivia. It's 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 two layers of there are twelve items. And they all share the same initials. Right. So skill number one in the game is who can brainstorm the most things possible the quickest that have those initials. Right. So that's that's the sneaky skill that AJ, for example, is very good at. Is coming up with as many as freaky you, good yeah, at as right? many I mean, as like, you so, possibly can. So does can. he sit there and rain man? He does. About, he like, writes you writes them mean, down. Like, the first thing, like so, let's say the initials are TD. Uh, yep. Touchdown. Uh, anything else that's T and D. Right? Exactly. So and, and you know that's the thing that uh, I think is going to keep this game going forever. Is there's always things to add to the list, but uh, phase one is is brainstorming as many things as you possibly can. And right. Then, uh, phase two is just being quicker than everybody else figuring out what the clues are because I read six clues and as soon as you know what it is you ring in and you try to get it so it's um it is trivia and if that if if the initials changed every card or every clue or every item I should say I think it would have been a kind of a throwaway bit because it would have right. just been trivia but man I've never in my almost 20 years of radio I've never had a unanimous overwhelming positive response no again this twitter was around when we started this game right yeah yeah. email clearly was around when we started this game you do almost any bit you're gonna get a whole bunch of people shitting on it on twitter (laughs) of course (laughs) i I remember when we did this bit for the first time everybody was like you guys should do that again you guys should do that again and i remember thinking like man we got something here i don't know if it's i I didn't know at the time it was going to be seven and a half years later later and we played it damn near 400 times and that i had three versions of a board game on the way like all those different things but i knew we had a successful bit i just didn't know it had this kind of legs well and we have to talk about the board game before i let you go because i i that's what i mean about it growing legs and crawling out of the ocean onto the land it's become an actual entity unto itself yeah but this is your baby right i mean you came up with this bit did it come to you in a lightning flash is it something that sort of evolved as you i mean because as a morning show guy you're going to be constantly kicking around ideas for games or bits or whatever i know how that game works but when it comes to initials itself was it a lightning flash or was yeah. it a slow evolution it's another piece of luck though but uh aj monsoor was having his first son and took another job that was going to pay him more he was basically going to get out of the radio uh, gig and go find more stability with a family on the way well that makes sense uh I believe he was at that job for a total of three days before he came right back because he realized that was a horrible, horrible mistake. But the first time we ever played the game, it was called the AJ game. I was just trying to think of my God, what can I do for AJ to send him off? Right. Like, this is his last day on the show. Let's do something for him. So if his name is Todd, nobody wants to play the Todd game. But, but the fact that his name was AJ, I just sat down. I'm like, I wonder how many th- people I can come up with that have the, the initials AJ. So right. I just started writing down like Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Right. And 
I came up with 12 off the top of my head. That's why it's 12 and not 10. Right. Which has caused me a lot of work over the last seven and a half years. That I got to imagine the cards. I wish it was be, 10. There's got to be some weeks because for people oh, who don't God. know the game, not only are there the initials, right? And so you got that. You've got six clues for every one of them. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And the clues, you're also, work. you're also very, very good at giving sort of decreasing orders of difficulty. It, you almost never give it away on the first clue. I try not to. The, the number of people who get it on the first clue, it's almost non-existent. It happens. But very rarely. So you're also very artful in how you structure the clues. I just I find the yeah. game and the bit and the entire thing very impressive. So you try to do it for AJ. It grows into a thing that's seven yeah. and a half years old. Now it's an actual play at home. Literally, yep. for those of you who'd like to play at home, there's an actual initials game, a board game that you can play at home. Yeah, initialsgame.com. You can buy the first version. And then uh, versions two and three just wrapped up a Kickstarter campaign. They'll actually be in my hand within a couple of weeks and uh, on initialsgame.com by November or December. December, I think. Now, when you say versions two and three, are we just talking about supplemental cards to add to the original board kind game? Kind of. So what I did is, so the ver- the first version of initials, the, the board game, uh, I put together 30 full sets of initials, just like you would hear on the radio show, but none of it is recycled content. It's all 30 original games. So if you've listened to every episode we've ever played on the show, you could still play this and it would be brand new. Versions two and three, I kind of cheated. Two is another full set, 30 games, completely original Version three, not just thirty initials, thirty full games, right? Oh, 30 420, games, right? 420 cards, right? Holy crap! Man. So thirty full games in each game. If you're playing with your friends and it's casual at home, maybe fifteen twenty minutes per game, and this is times thirty. Yeah, no, I got it. That's great. So then, version three, what I did was I took thirty games that we've played on the show, updated clues, modified clues. So if you've listened to every single one, you might be like, yeah, I think I remember a couple of these. So. It might not be the perfect game if you've listened to every single episode of Initials. Yeah. Uh, but what I've learned in the process of uh, of the board game creation the last handful of years is uh, my short-term memory and long-term memory are not necessarily equal. And I I was floored how quickly I had forgotten clues that I had ri- written a right. year or two ago. So the, the replayability is definitely, definitely there. It's super fun. Well, it's like I, Trivial I Pursuit. Growing game. up, I went through the boxes in Trivial Pursuit. 50 times and you didn't yeah. always get the same ones and you didn't always Very play with true. the same people and so the replayability I just I guess I just wanted to say I'm really happy for you man yeah thanks man it's it, been super fun initials is a very cool thing and I really don't mean to overstate it when I say destination radio because let's be honest yeah. the medium has changed right and there are so many other things that people do with their time and whatever I literally map out don't tell the bosses, all right? <laughs> I, I, I literally I literally cut out a part of my workday yeah. to listen to it because I enjoy playing along that much, and I don't really want to be invited on to play it again because the, we'll only, have you on the only time I was on, I shit the bed. And yeah. so Most no, people get shut out their first time, though. But oof. since you, I, I know you're a board game guy. I am. Uh, I, I've always been a game show guy. For, right. From being sick mm-hmm. and going home and watching Prices Right when I was yep. little right. all the way through. Now, I still love game shows. Um I've always loved the game shows where you can play along at home fairly. Like, for example, Jeopardy. Even, even Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are the two best examples mm-hmm. ever. Um, but there are other examples of, of the opposite, and I've, I've still fallen in love with them, but I've never understood them. Like, $25,000 Pyramid, uh, Password on TV. Well, you already you, know the answer. You're, you're, what you're really doing is just you're watching people play and to see if they <laughs> yeah. succeed or fail, but you're not really getting to play along with them. You may be, like, if you're watching back in the day, Dick Clark and $25,000 Pyramid. Right. Mm-hmm. You may say like, "Oh, I wouldn't have used that clue, or I could have used," but you're not really playing along. When you're watching Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy, you can honestly, if you're objective, say, "I had it before that person did," yep. or "I had that question and that genius on Jeopardy didn't get it." 
I feel like that's what we stumbled across with initials is if you are honest with yourself, and I've asked a lot of listeners over the last seven and a half years, you know, what's your own personal best? They'll tell me like four, right? They could say 12 (laughs) and I'd be like, you're lying. But they can sit in their car and say, I know the best I've ever done against those guys in the power trip is I've gotten four on a Friday. Which, you by can the play way, along in your car. If you can get four, now again, doing it in person is very different, but if you Much can get different. four, you can win that fucking game. You could. Four Four is the uh, is basically the minimum. If you can get four, five, or six, you're the winner. But I'll be honest, I've gotten four sitting in my car before, and again, that's me being honest. Most yeah. of the times, I, I don't get there before someone else gets there. AJ's kind of a savant, man. He's, he's very good. He's weird. He's very good. I'm a, he's an android. I don't really trust him. I'm going to be honest, but no, I love um, that bit though. But, so it's but it's great. But for everybody else, he is really incredible. It's all incredible. So uh, again, tell me where they can go to find out more about versions two and three. Uh, initialsgame.com in about a month or so, November or uh, December, they have both should be available. But the first one, we're up, we're not going to reprint the first one for the next year or so. So there's like 200 copies left, and we're done. We sold over 12,000 uh, in the first 12. To six, what, I don't know, 12 to 18 months. You've so, got, you've, you're making that kind of money and you've got time to come hang out on this lowly <laughs> podcast. It was a decent year for me, 2020. Sorry, I'm COVID. Glad, man. Well, you know what? Good for you, man. I yeah, couldn't no, be happier right. for you. Uh, Power Trip Morning Show. It's there every weekday morning from 5.30 until 9. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, I really thought a lot of this today was going to be about gambling, but we so got carried I. away on other things. I could talk poker for six hours if you want to come back and just talk cards. Will you come back another time and yeah. talk like 80% cards and 20% gambling? Because all that, that plus, be plus 280, minus 180 shit, that's like a foreign language to me. I don't I'm understand a, any of it. I love sports betting, but I'm not a huge sports better. My main, well, we can talk uh, poker my all main gambling day. is poker, for both, sure. Both my grandmothers taught me poker, and I'm not, I wouldn't be any good as near as good as you, but man, do I love talking poker. All right, we got to wrap it up, man. Yeah. Corey Cole, thank you very much, man. Oh, it was the best, dude. Appreciate it. Before Sean, we get thanks, this, man. You bet. Thank before you. we get into this final song, thank you, Sean, very much. Thank, um, thank you, Brian. Not only... Why do you always make it so weird? <laughs> Every goddamn time he makes it weird. Even even the sponsors sounded sarcastic. Yeah, no, and that's, that's kind of what he does. That's uh, but best. thanks to Audio Quip. Without Audio Quip, we don't have all this beautiful equipment we've got here in the Smart Start MN studio. My thanks to Smart Start. My thanks to Palmer's Bar. And my thanks to Forgotten Star Brewing and everybody who came out to celebrate Oktoberfest this past weekend. We will be back again with a good friend of yours. Know who's on the next podcast? Go for it. Parish. Oh, Mark Parrish. Mark Parrish. Right on, man. Former NHL player and one of the coolest, nicest guys I've ever met. And a guy who, for how I know him, but I don't really know him, know him. Man, that guy loves to give a hug. Oh, he brings it in hard. He really does. But since I've known him pretty well for the last five or six or seven years, can I give you a little advice? Please. Make sure you reach out to Nikki, his wife, yeah. or he will forget he's doing the podcast. That is a can-do. Is yes. he, he going to be on the show of your show either the next two days? He will be there tomorrow, yes. I will make sure to remind him tomorrow. That's, That's six good days intel. ahead of time, and that is not enough. You're going to have... No, no, he'll be on not when next week. He'll be on on Thursday. Okay, that so might if I help. tell him tomorrow... He, he is the best dude ever, but he will tell you, on this podcast probably, he got so used to... Pro uh, sports lifestyle of yeah. people booking trips for you, mm-hmm. flights for you. Where is your people bag? People are knocking your on your equipment? door, right? right that his post NHL career, it's like I have to do this all on my own. What? So he is awful with scheduling. It's never malicious. He never is intentionally like you know. He's one no of the call, nicest no show. people I've ever met. One of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. He will fully admit he is terrible at keeping schedules. I appreciate the heads up, and I will talk to him tomorrow morning. We got to call it here now on the podcast. Before we go though, you've got one more song for us here. Another band that I feel like is much more. We're not that far apart, but I'm a good 10, 12 years older than you. At least, how old are you? Late 41. 30s? 41. All right. So I'm 12 years older than you. This band, again, a band I have nothing against. 
And I'm not really even ambivalent about them. I literally know nothing about Deftones. Oh, Tell man. me why we're ending with this. Uh, Deftones are... How do I describe them? First of all, they're my wife's favorite band, so it, it doesn't hurt that uh, that I, they're a top fiver for me. It's, it's never bad to marry into a band like Deftones. No, that's right? good because my wife and I don't share a top fifteen. How about you, Sean? Your wife and you share any musical tastes? A little, mostly Dave Matthews Band, right? No, Dave Matthews. Band. But it no. helps. It's a huge right. And for example, Three Eleven. She likes Three Eleven, but definitely doesn't love him. Um, but we definitely have uh, Deftones to, uh, to to bond over. They are um, another band that I don't think gets the credit they deserve. Tool is is the era's like prog rock, you know, kings, right? Everybody bows down to Tool, and I'm one of those guys. Tool, Tool's a top ten band for me, right? I, I think Deftones, especially their non singles, are so much better than the mainstream gives them public uh, credit for. They're they're top to bottom, so many good albums. And Digital Bath is a, uh, a song off of White Pony, which has got to be. Damn near 20 years old now. There was a huge re-release of it just a year or two ago. That's right. I think it was their 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I think, so I think it's exactly 20 years old. One of my all-time favorite albums. And Chino is another great example of a guy who can sing beautifully when he has to or wants to, but is one of the top screamers of all time. And this is a little bit of uh, both, but I think this is the perfect song that kind of encapsulates the ether of the Deftones because uh, David Byrne from the Talking Heads once famously said that uh, he doesn't truly think lyrics even matter. It's more about just the vocal pattern, right? It's got to connect with you. I would say 90% of the time, I don't know what Chino is saying or what he's singing about. It's just how the Deftones kind of float in the air. And especially the first 30 seconds of this song, it just kind of floats and I just love this Deftones feel.
Yeah.